to listen and hear Sasha announce himself into a turned off microphone. <laughs> I'm so good, bud. Oh, There's a reason why I'm podcasting, not professionally broadcasting. But yeah. That, and what a way to start episode 125 of Old Ute Radio. Yes. Yeah. We're going to do two episodes this week. Yes. We got the great Steve McAnelli calling in, saying hello from Las Vegas. Yeah, it's been a while since I've heard from Steve. I'm excited to hear from him, hear, you know, kind of what he's done and how he's gone from... You know, being an amateur to a headliner, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah. Got a real problem with Michael Jackson. Like, I love his music, but I'm convinced he's a pedophile. Really? Yeah. I, I, I... But he doesn't get the Gary Glitter approach to him. I, I, don't, I don't know what to believe. And, I mean, it... it I separate the man from the music. I mean, I, I separate all the products of, like, from the person. Is but that morally okay? Morally, I don't. I don't know. I didn't. I didn't really think about. It. I don't know, cause like it's weird. You know, I used to work at the post office, and we. When I used to work at the post office, we used to have to ship stuff to Neverland Ranch. Like, we had... No, no, seriously. We had two postal carts. Like, they're very tall carts. Uh, we would have two specifically full of Michael Jackson stuff. And it would be a lot of strange things. People would send them animals. Like, one time someone tried to send them swans. It was weird. <laughs> like, two swans were just stuck in, like, a dog... Uh, one of those dog kennel crates, yeah. you know? And, uh, uh, yeah, most of the stuff that they were, that they, that they were sending, though, was packages. And, like, you could feel that they were a videotape. It was a lot of, like, kids, sick kids, sending him videos asking for his help. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't, I don't, I don't know, I don't know what to believe. I think, I think his legacy is a complicated legacy. I wouldn't, I, I, I just, I don't know, you know? Like, I don't know what to think. I don't. I'm not sure we'll ever get the answer. I feel bad for him. I think he got his testes cut off when he was a little boy. I don't think there's a way to explain his voice. Like, he's got a soprano's voice. Yeah. I, I, I think that there is, <laughs> there is a lot that went into making Michael Jackson, and then there was a lot that undid him as well. Yeah. You know, like, you, I, you, he's lived a life no one else on this earth could ever even imagine living. He was the most famous man in, what, a thousand years? Yeah, easily. Easily. Yeah, like, I, I, I know now that he's gone, his legacy, like, isn't going to be as remembered, but he he was the biggest thing in the world. The biggest thing. Like, like I think about Taylor Swift a lot as, like, the queen of pop, and then I think about Michael Jackson. She's still nowhere near the level of Michael Jackson. Just from a talent level. Yeah. Nowhere. No one touches him from a talent level. His dancing moves, the moonwalk. Yeah. You know, like I, when I still watch that performance just because it's it's so incredible. The first one, the, yeah, his first time moonwalking. When he's got those black glitter pants and stuff. Yeah, and the white glove. And oh man, he was just so good. Let's put that on the blog for this episode. Yeah, definitely. Okay. 
Yeah, yeah, his level of talent. Yeah, you can't touch Michael Jackson's level of talent. You, you can't. Like his emphasis. Like I, I, I heard that he would dance for four to five hours a day, just working on like one move. You know, like that level of focus and love and passion. Like that's that's next level. Do you think his dancing's weird? I do. What do you mean weird? It's just weird to watch. Like, like how so? It makes you uncomfortable. It's just, it, 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 it does it make you want to get up and boogie, or does it make you like what? The only thing that gets me up and want to dance is Grateful Dead shit when I'm super drunk. And <laughs> but <laughs> that's the white boy in me, you know. Uh-huh. But no, I just think it's weird the way music people in his time frame were dancing. Like it's just weird watching the body move that way. Like I'm not yeah, criticizing. That's the it. amazing thing about yeah. dancing. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's what's so weird. So I just like, yeah, I, I think it's very strange yeah. how he was able to move his body. Like, yeah, it's called dancing. <laughs> He's using his body in a very different way than Shut everyone up. else. Shut up. Sasha, you just described dancing. <laughs> Thank you for defining dancing. <laughs> oh, you're welcome. Here's what I do, but that's what I do. Man, you know, I I, I had a week. Yeah, let, let me tell you what. I, I'm Sasha. I'm 28 years old. Okay. And on my way to work, uh, I popped a tire and I didn't have any of my tools. I didn't even know what to do. I panicked. You like, uh, I called Sarah cause that's, that's what I do when I panic. I call my girlfriend. Sure. Like I'm not, I'm not a handyman. I'll be the first to admit it. Like I'll go to home Depot. I'll buy two hammers and one screwdriver. I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> like I don't like, I, I didn't have the tire jack. I don't even have, what's the name of the thing with it? It's like a cross. Yeah. What's it? What's it called? A tire iron. Yeah. I didn't have one of those. I didn't have anything. The spare tire wasn't even inflated. Like I just, it just, it made me, it, it put me like uh, at the corner of 13th and 7th was like the corner of my life. And I had like an existential crisis mm. where I realized that I am ill-prepared to be a man or an adult in this day and age. And you didn't periscope this for all of us. <laughs> no, I didn't. I didn't. I didn't share it <laughs> with the rest of the world. Did you almost feel like you wanted to cry? Uh, yeah. Yeah. I've had those moments. Yeah, where I just I did not know what to do. I had to call because I was I was I was I had to go to a remote. I had a remote broadcast that I had to be at. You know, I had to be in Sandy at nine o'clock, and my tire popped at like eight. You know, and I I, I yeah I freaked out, and it's it's really it's taught me a lot about myself. It's it's made me realize how inadequate and unprepared I am to be an adult. What's Hooker and Brooks' slogan on the new Rock 106.7, Man up. Yeah. yeah, man up, bud. Wait, wait, wait to slip that in there. <laughs> wait, wait, wait to snake that in. Thank you. I'll be here all day. <laughs> yeah, man. I I don't know. Like, when when do you feel like a man? Oh yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally comfortable with my hands. I I expect the world to crumble around me, <laughs> so I act accordingly. I I am so uncomfortable with the idea of your hands. <laughs> Robert Kelly wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, yeah. I that see to me, you come across like a manly man. Like you, you. I, I feel like you would know your way around the woods. Yeah, I like, can do that. Like, like you, you know different types of trees. Like looking at you, you'd be like, uh, that, that's a sycamore right there." You know, I can uh, build a bow and spindle to make fire. I know that if there's a cottonwood tree, you you dig a giant two foot ring around the tree, and that. In the morning, it will be full of water all the way around it. Oh, really? Yeah, so if you never have water and you see cottonwood or aspen trees, dig a big ring around it and it'll fill it up. See, I feel like I could, 
I could give you a Christmas tree and you would know what to do with it. If someone like just dropped off a Christmas tree and gave it to me, I wouldn't, I wouldn't even know how to attach it to my car. Like, I don't know any of that stuff. <laughs> like, I don't know any of it. So we need to, maybe we need to like train you up a little bit and film this and do something with you. <sighs> I mean, I, I have. Yeah. Sarah's not in her head. I don't know, man. Like, I don't like being out in the woods, man. Why? I don't, I don't like... You seem like the type of guy that could wrestle a grizzly bear. No, uh, you know, <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 if a bear attacked me, yeah, I'd pop him one in yeah. the nose, but like he'd definitely kill me. No, I, I'm not, I don't belong in the woods, man. I'm Jamaican. Like we, we, like I, I, I don't belong, <laughs> like I don't belong in like, like I, I can't rock climb, you know, I can't hide behind trees, like I sunburn you know, like I'm not, I don't belong in the woods, Sasha. I don't, like I don't feel comfortable on ATVs. I, 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 I've been invited rappelling. I don't even, no, I, I, I can't do it. I won't do it. So somewhere back in the episode 40s range, when we went to Montana, there's a great photo on our website <laughs> of Johnny getting out of a canoe with no pants because he went canoeing with Timberlands and baggy pants. And they got wet, and they came down on him. Yeah, you're horrible in the woods. Our our boat capsized, <laughs> may or maybe not, because I was in it. We we have to go back to the footage and kind of figure out what happened. I say we were still attacked by Bigfoot, but yeah, basically the boat capsized. I lost my pants. I lost my Timberlands. I lost some other things. Dignity. Yes, my dignity. And yes, and then I had to get pulled in without pants, soaking wet. Not a good day to be me. Oh, I have so many of those photos, too. Would you be embarrassed? Like, now that you're a professional broadcaster, can I post them, or should I be kind to you and not shame you? My, my people will reach out to your people. Yeah, okay. <laughs> no, 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 you can share it. You can share it. That's yeah, fine. I'll be waiting for Lexi to call me. I've been waiting for three years for her to call me. Jesus. Christ. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, I've had a crazy week, too. Yeah? Um, it's the first time in a long time I'm really considering moving again. Yeah? Yeah, I think that I, my home is in television. Yeah. And there's too much good money to make in sport production. I think it's time for me to move to a bigger market. Yeah. Denver, Seattle. Really? Yeah. Interesting. And I'm tired of living in Utah. I'm tired of the politics. I'm tired of... How strict people are. I'm tired of how guilt-ridden people are because they can't conf they can't be Mormon good enough. Like I'm just tired of the whole thing. I'm tired of the racism. I'm tired of the sexism. I'm tired of the glass ceilings. I'm tired of the beehive policy where you start at the bottom and you have to beg or suck it to move up. I'm just t tired of the horseshit. I'm tired of the ego in media. I'm tired of the ego at our universities like if you I, I for those of you who don't know i work in sport television i worked fox sport one this week and they brought in a broadcast blimp they brought in a sky cam they brought in 15 cameras it was a multi-million dollar show it was the birth of colin cowherd hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars spent to bring michigan to utah and the bully type behaviorisms uh, the University of Utah are disgusting and embarrassing. And as a professional broadcaster who's worked every football game there for the last four years and hundreds of other games, 
I've never seen the amount of unprofessionalism I've seen by the University of Utah and their athletic department. And if fans knew how bad it was, I'm not sure that there would be fans going to that game. Because for a family to go to a University of Utah football game, they're going to spend hundreds and hundreds of dollars. It's expensive seats. It's at least 50 bucks a ticket for like the cheap seats. And for a bad game. Yeah, for a bad game. Exactly, yeah. I mean, they were saying that the Michigan-Utah game was one of the 11 most expensive tickets ever anywhere. Yeah. Like four or $500 a ticket. I remember reading that, yeah. And so for asking a fan, you know, to, to think that you can go behind the scenes and just treat people like complete shit um, is wrong. When a captain of your football team comes to me and apologizes for your coach's behaviorisms, that's fucking embarrassing. As an alumnus of the University of Utah, as an alumnus of the Pac-12, you should be embarrassed, University of Utah football. Wow. The ego is disgusting. Like, I would give this story to a media member, but they'd get banned from the stadium because there is no truth. You can't be truthful on that campus. It's the problem we had at KU. You can't fucking say anything. Yeah. And to, to, to tout yourself as a top 25 inclusive environment for the LGBT community, but you can't be truthful is a fucking joke. There's no way you can be an inclusive campus if you can't report on the behaviorisms of your faculty. When the highest paid state employee is a bully, that's a fucking problem. When he can't get behind people wanting to change the fight song from We Are Utah Men to Utah People or Fairies or whatever it was and just carry on like it doesn't matter. Like, I'm at the point where I don't even care if I ever broadcast from the University of Utah, again, professionally, sports speaking. But they're winning. They're a mediocre team. Everything outside of the gymnastics program is, you know, they try hard. The kids work hard. And there's some great coaches. The women's softball coach, she's phenomenal. She's a delight. She's a breath of fresh air. The gymnastics coach, you can't ask for better human beings. Like, I see him at the grocery store, the Asian assistant coach, and, like, we'll talk for 20 minutes. And he's phenomenally nice. I, I like the basketball coach, Larry Kay. Yeah, but yeah. he's he's a tough pill to swallow, too. But, you know, and so is yeah. football coach. But at the end of the day, you can't attack people – that are working there because you have a problem with upper management of a company. Yeah. Keep that behind the scenes. Yeah. Don't take it out on me because I'm the one working in 93-degree weather, busting my ass to make sure that there's a perfect 1080i production. Yeah. And you don't have the right to interfere with that. And I don't care if you feel slighted by Michigan and Fox because of the truck. It's funny. It's funny that the Harbro boys were there. It's funny how much of a jackass that Harborough is. Like, it's funny, and it's marketable. And it just really hurt my feelings as an alumnus of the University of Utah that what I saw there and the way I was treated. Because I'm one of the few broadcasters that actually gives a fuck about taking tape off and being respectful of their equipment because none of the other broadcasters care because of their attitude. 
and there's a lot more I'd like to say about it. I just yeah. I don't want to throw people under the bus. I guess uh, I probably already have. No, but. no, I, Sasha, what you're talking about is it's it's a very real part of working in the media, and it's the side that other people don't see. It's the side that the public doesn't see, but it's the side that you know we as professionals have to live with and deal with every day. And I feel like like I was debating all Friday and Saturday about whether or not I should talk about this, but it has to be talked about. Mm-hmm. Like if I'm not going to talk about it, then I'm being a fucking liar to myself. Yeah. I mean, it all goes back to, you know, kind of what we said about, you know, being a man. It's, yeah. It's tough, man. It's, it's. Yeah. Yeah. But just, and it's not the football players. They, they apologize. They were embarrassed too. Yeah. Yeah. But you, you guys got to look at the mirror. If you're going to train young men and young women to be adults, act like one. Yeah. Embarrassing that you're making millions of dollars, spending hundreds of millions of dollars on a game where there's generational poverty a mile away from you. Mm. And if you're going to have that privilege, well, you think Coach Krzyzewski would ever do something like that? No. Yeah. No. But that's why he's a Hall of Famer. Yeah. Right? That's why he can get any talent in the world. So, Steve McAnally, <laughs> call on in. Yeah. And I, I thought my pop tire was bad. <laughs> I, thought, I, thought, I thought I had a tough day because of that pop tire. <laughs> Oh, man. All right, coming up, yeah, we've got Steve Mac, Steve, Steve McAnally coming in. Steve's an old friend of mine. He, yeah, he's here. Hey, this is Robert Kelly, and I am on All Youth Radio. Why? Because, I don't know, I have nothing else to do. I'm lonely. Welcome back to episode 125 of Old Ute Radio. I'm Johnny. With me in studio, my friend, not yours, Sasha Bloom. With us on the phone, Steve McAnally, comedian, uh, Utah native who recently moved to Las Vegas, and he's killing it. How you doing, Steve? I'm doing fantastic, Johnny and Sasha. Thanks for having me on. It's of course. Good, it's good to have you back, man. So, so last time we had you on, you were just about to move to Vegas. Do you remember that? Oh, yeah. We were uh, tying up loose ends in the Salt Lake market and trying to figure out who was going to take over uh, my K-Town comedy. So not take it over, but actually be the host of it, because I was still doing all the booking and promoting for it. But that was pretty much where we left off. And uh, the guy that was with me at the time, funny about that, was Patrick Ramirez, and he since moved to L.A. Yeah, yeah, Patrick. Yeah, he's in L.A. now. Um, so, so tell me a little bit about the Vegas comedy scene. What's it like, man? Uh, it's a lot more competitive than the Salt Lake one. There's more rooms to do. Uh, there's, there's a, it, it's, there's, for the most part, there's a higher caliber of comics here just because of the fact you get so many people hitting the stage so many nights of the week. You know, if you really want to, you can have stage time every night of the week. Plus, you've also got all the major clubs that are on the strip that you can hang out and get to meet, you know, major celebrities and, and high-profile A-list uh, comics every day of the week, too. So it's just it's a little bit better like that. Uh, there's more high-profile people that live in this market and come and go. I mean, we get, we get people like Hannibal Burris and Lisa Landry that show up at open mics here out of the blue just 
to want to kill time, and you're like, oh, wow, I just watched you on Comedy Central last night. It was kind of crazy. But that's that's kind of like the Vegas market for you. Do you like living in Las Vegas? I oh, we love living down here. Uh, no snow. <laughs> People get mad. They're like, oh, well, it's 110, 115 degrees there. Yeah, but it's also not that much humid. There's not, not, not much humidity. You know, like with Salt Lake, when it reaches 95 to 100, you got more humidity. So it's hot, too, you know. Do you I'm to tell you it's so much worse down here? That's actually not, man. In December, when it's fifty-five, sixty degrees outside in, in Vegas, and you guys are in the, like the teens, yeah, <laughs> let me know how it is. <laughs> uh, what What is some of your favorite rooms that you're working in LA right, or in Las Vegas right now? Uh, a lot of my well, I mean, favorite rooms are always going to be like the Bonkers Comedy Club. They're the rooms that are down here because they've been very good to me. I mean, it's let me headline for them. I started out a guest spot real quick for them, and then as soon as they found out me doing a guest spot, I featured once for them, and then now I've been a paid headliner for them ever since. Uh, but uh, the other ones that are fun is always the Adrenaline Sports Bar, because I host a show there every Tuesday night. And so those are my favorite ones, but don't get me wrong, it's just uh, they're all they're all good. They've all got their goods and bads just like any room. I don't ever uh, look down on any stage time, because it can be quality and productive, and you can learn to get up and do it so what are what yeah, is get your preference what that what are some of the things that you've learned since you've transitioned into a headliner comic uh i've learned that that i need to make my memory a lot better <laughs> <laughs> it's uh i mean I've, I've memorized you know like my material pretty good i can i know it inside now frontwards and backwards and it's just uh the, the longer you keep headlining and, and it gets easier but those first few times you you'll be going and you know your material which kind of lose place, you know, in your mind. And it just, just takes that little, like, keyword to get you, to kick you back into gear. Like, damn it, that's what, I, that's what I was talking about. All right, let's go. And that's the, that's the biggest difference. When you're hosting, because I did a lot of hosting and I still do, you can put, like, short sets together all the time. And then all those short sets add up into how you can be a headliner, you know. And then when I started doing uh, featuring, you know, featuring anywhere from 15 to 30 minute sets, it's, the same thing you just you stick all these little sets together and it gets longer then out of the blue you're up there doing 30 minutes to an hour depending upon what the room calls for interesting what uh, has it affected your uh, the way you write your material at all no not really it's uh i mean 99 percent of my material is just my personality it's an extension of what i'm what i'm like in real life anyway you know, it's not like I, I don't look for, like, the quirky things. I'm not a Jerry Seinfeld of, like, you know, oh, what's with the airplane food, you know? That's not me. That's not my writing style. My writing style is always going to be just observing things that I see, you know, that goes through raising a family, being young, being a parent, you know, traveling from, you know, living in Utah and being non-Mormon kind of helps out with different uh, aspects of how you see life. So there's... It didn't. It doesn't affect me. No, I'm. I'm trying to work on a new hour now because where I've kind of reached the pinnacle of what I've been using for the last six and a half years. I want to start working on more newer stuff. Yeah, that's that's going to be affecting me there a little bit, but I'll still end up using like older jokes that I've used that I'm comfortable with to keep me going until I get another full forty-five minutes to an hour down, and then I'll be ready to ready to roll again and hopefully back on the strip headlining again. That, that's awesome. Who who are some of the comedians that you're working with on the regular? Like names we should be looking out for. On regular ones, well, I've, I've actually funny thing is, I mean, I still work with down here John Hilder because I mean it's funny that both of us are from Utah and we both are now in in Vegas a lot because we both live here. 
Uh, he's at Sin City quite a bit. That's in Planet Hollywood. Uh, and then also, Planet Hollywood itself has a resident headliner here named Edwin San Juan that helps out with a lot of a lot of local people. If you're good with him and you you know you come to the show to support him, he'll start letting you know locals get up so you can get uh, strip time until you learn you know to get to be better and get booked in other places. I'll be actually doing a feature set for him in November around Thanksgiving. But he's one that, that you should keep an eye out because yeah, he's he was Gilbert uh Gilbert Iglesias's uh uh Gabriel Iglesias, damn it. Gabriel Iglesias, uh I'm Gilbert, I don't know where that came from. Well, was Gabriel Iglesias is uh opener for a lot of years. They used to travel and tour on the road together and they used to go overseas together to uh entertain the troops in the Middle East. So he's the resident headliner of Planet Hollywood in uh Las Vegas Live Comedy Club where I'm at quite a bit. But there's there's quite a few up and comers here. I mean, we got this weekend when we're going to Salt Lake. We got a, na- a guy named Brandon Hahn. He goes by your buddy Gooch, and he's on radio here in Las Vegas. <laughs> your buddy Gooch. <laughs> that's his, yeah, that's his. Uh, that's been his nickname, and that's what he goes by on uh, on radio and everything else. He's he's been a uh, Vegas stand-up comic for I'm guessing about ten to twelve years, roughly. He's I've known him, I've known him for about four or five years because he came to Salt Lake a while back. To do some shows, and now he's uh, excited and wants to go back with us to do comedy up there again. And he's originally from Cleveland, but he grew up most of the time in Vegas, so he's still got those like bad sports teams that he likes. <laughs> <laughs> so you're coming back to Salt Lake City. What uh, what days? What times? What places? Thursday night we'll be at uh, the former Dinos. It's on 3500 South State in South Salt Lake, and that starts at eight o'clock. That actually features. Local comedian Melissa Merle will be hosting, and then uh, the two locals, Tommy Malagro and Rachel Jensen, will be uh, opening acts. And uh, Thursday night, uh, it will be me and John Hilder will be doing the majority of the feature spot, and then we're going to let our buddy Gooch will be the headliner on Thursday. (laughs) My buddy Gooch. (laughs) And then our uh, Friday night show, we will be at Sandy Station off of 90th South and I-15, and that one's going to be hosted by Natasha Maurer. And the opening comics on that is Dustin Hagen and Keen Clark. And then that night, me and me and my buddy Gooch will be doing the feature work, and the headliner that night will be John Hilder. And that's also, I believe, John Hilder's birthday. So hopefully you can get a whole bunch of people out there to spank his ass and have a good time. <laughs> and then uh, on the next Saturday night, the 12th, we will be at Scofie's uh, Social Club which is the former Lone Star Steakhouse in Fort Union off of 7500 South and 9th East, right by uh, Hoppers and, and uh, Hillcrest High School, where the host of that show is going to be Brian Polk. And the feature, the opening act on that is actually Eileen Dobbin, and also a big-name opening act is Scott Bennett, who is the two-time Rocky Mountain Laugh-Off winner. Uh, he will be our openers, and then uh, Gooch and Hilder will be the features, and I will be the headliner that night closing out the show. Awesome. The, those all sound like great lineups. Yeah, it's it's fun. It's good, and I use uh, three different local lineups at each one because you know I want to. We come back home to Salt Lake. I want to give as many people the opportunities to work with all of us that work in different markets and give them a chance because that's what I've always done ever since I was you know started my own show in Salt Lake. I kept trying to give more people chances, more opportunities to get up and and get seen and get noticed because that's a lot of times that's what people need, man. They just need the opportunity. Yeah, that's how long have you been doing comedy now? Uh, six and a half years. And what 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 got you into it? Uh, well, I 
grew up watching stand-up my whole life. I mean, watching George Carlin and Sam Kinnis and Eddie Murphy when I was younger was just watching those three people were just amazing, you know, and even like watching I Love Lucy reruns of Lucille Ball, stuff like that got me interested and excited. I was just like, man, this is great. But I got, you know, a lot of my stand-up facts, I talk about being married at a young age, and I was, so... I wasn't a guy that wanted to take off and, and ever go on the road or try to be in entertainment away from my kids. I wanted to be a part of my kids' life. So I stayed and become a dad. And as the kids, you know, got older and started doing their own thing, then I started writing and realizing, you know what, this is something I got to do. It's going to happen. And that's where we took off from there. But, you know, I never wanted to be one of those absentee fathers that have to call their kids from the road, hey, guess what I'm doing? <laughs> so, yeah, because now, with that, yeah, because it's interesting because once your kids were out the house, that's when you went to Vegas, right? Yeah, well, the, my daughter was two years out of high school, and she was my youngest. My son had already been out for a couple of years, and so we had just kind of waited until they were out of high school. We didn't. We never wanted to move the kids after they got into school because I kind of I hated seeing that when kids were younger, and all of a sudden they get you know you get new kids in school every year, and then some of your friends would be gone, and I hated that because. You know, you you want to you want to have these friendships that kind of last a lifetime. You know, some of them, some more than others, but you don't you want to you don't want to just keep ripping your kids in and out of school all the time. And we just sacrificed our advice and said, you know what, this is where we'll stay. Our kids are born here; they're going to be raised here. And if they want to leave to go with us when we move to Vegas or L.A., and that was our two options, and we'll decide, you know, if they're going or not. And they're old enough to make their own decisions. They said, no, we're staying here because we got friends here. So, you know. Which is understandable. It just sucks we don't see them as much, but they're adults. We didn't see them when we lived in Utah anymore anyway because they're always <laughs> now doing their own thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, most mo- most definitely, man. So, yeah, you, you're a headliner now, man. Like, that's that that's that's so amazing to hear, man. It's so amazing because, like, yeah, man, I remember meeting you when I first started out and, like, the, to see where you're at now, man, That that's fantastic. It really is. Yeah, thanks, Sean. I appreciate it, man. It's, uh, it's you know, I, I've done it from in my honest opinion. I've done it the right way. I've never, I've never had to like sit and kiss up to anybody. Uh, I've gone to the clubs. I've hung out with you know with certain people just to kind of make contact. And then you know I've never gone in and just like had to have them begging. Well, let me let me do this. I'm your headline. I'm do this. No, it was actually I would just go in and ask for guest spots. And people get to see me and start understanding like, hey, this guy is actually pretty good. Let's talk to him more. And then that's where it led. The the one that landed me my first headlining gig here in Vegas, actually, I was supposed to be the feature act at uh, Bonkers Club. It was up at the Rampart Casino, which coincidentally I'll be headlining again there on October 8th. But uh, the headliner for that is one of our one of my friends named Greg Varavis. He just got he he just got burned out on comedy. He'd been doing it for about 20 years or so, and he's just kind of burned out and didn't really want to do it anymore. And then about Two weeks, three weeks before the show, he emailed the booker of the club and just said, you know what, I'm done doing comedy. I'm not going to do the show. I can't do it. So Greg calls me and says, man, I'm sorry I canceled the show. I don't know what they're going to do. They're going to find somebody else. And so I just immediately emailed the club and just said, hey, I know Greg backed out. He goes, if you need a headliner, let me know. I would love to do it. And instantly the, the owner of the club for Bonkers you know, emailed me back and just said I've heard enough good stuff about you. I promise, or I trust you, and I know you'll do a good job. Welcome to being our, welcome to being the headliner for us. And I'm like, damn, are you serious? <laughs> so that's kind of where it started, and then that led me into headlining for him for a few other times, and then that led to 
getting to headline the SLS over this last Labor Day weekend, just yeah, this last Thursday and Friday. So being on the world famous Las Vegas Strip with my head on a billboard is is kind of a just a real feeling when you drive by and you actually stop and you look and you're just going, damn, that's me. That, that 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 that's amazing, man. I I'm looking forward. to Hopefully, I can make it out to your shows this weekend. No, it'll be it'll be good to see you. Swing by and have a beer. If you don't drink, you can buy us one because we like two. And we'll have to we'll have to, uh, we'll have to drink probably two of them though, because you know we're we're so used to the Las Vegas alcohol content. Now we're gonna be stepping back in line. Yeah, back three for one here. <laughs> Either way, I'm I'm happy to be going to go you know, back to Salt Lake and everything. Salt Lake will always be like home, so to speak, even though Vegas is our home, uh, just because family and friends and everything there, and that's where the roots of you know my comedy started. Totally. And we do, you know, we do still have a lot of comedian friends that live there. That you know, I respect. Uh, I respect most of them. There's a few I'm not I'm not a huge fan of, just because the way I see they treat other people. But for the most part, there's a lot of really cool people in there. And anytime those ones ever need a help and hand and when they come to Vegas, I mean, I've found, you know, open mics for people, you know, we met out with them, you know, met up with them at the bar and, you know, got them on stages and different things like that. So it's, you know, it's always the ones that have been cool with me. I'm always going to be cool with them and, you know, hope things work out right for everybody. I'd love to see anybody I came up with doing comedy that, that makes it in the big time. I'd, I'd love that, you know. Yeah, I couldn't agree more, man. Um, So we can follow you. Uh, uh what, What's your Twitter again? Uh, It's at Steve M. Comedy. Awesome, man. Um, uh, thanks so much for coming on, man. I'm looking forward to seeing you. Yeah, thanks, man. I'll see you, I'll see you soon. Yeah, I'll see you soon. I will definitely go to the one on uh, 7200 South and 9th because that's like a block away from my house. So. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, right on. Yeah, come on out. That's a, that's a brand new club that opened uh, about three weeks ago is all. Yeah, I'll be able to stumble home from that one. <laughs> hey, and the, you know what? The bar will appreciate it because you go in there and drink, and as long as you're not driving, they're happy. <laughs> yeah, maybe so. I can get a piggyback ride from a big heavy girl there. So, <laughs> you know. Well, huh? I, I think I think when uh, the other club closed down, I don't know if the big girls are going to move over there with them. So. <laughs> <laughs> we like to. We like. We like for you to kind of. We're gonna slow it down this time and sing a soulful number. This song, this song is a song that, you know, we all ought to sing sometime. You know? This is the love crowd, right? We all love each other, don't we? Am I right? Let me hear you say yeah! I've been loving you too long to stop now. you become a habit to me I've been loving you oh too long and I don't want to stop now oh. 
one more time out, just like that. Oh! Oh! Do it just one more time, one more. I can't stop now And your love is going cold My love is growing stronger As I fare Oh, ooh, I'm loving you. Oh, too long, and I don't want to stop now. No, no, no. I've been loving you just a little bit too long. No, babe, I'm down on my knees Please don't make me stop now, yeah I love you, I love you, I love you with all my heart And I can't stop now God Almighty, I love you. I love you, baby. I love you, honey. Good God Almighty. Good God Almighty, I 